When I look at your shit, I'm like, ha. When I look at my shit, I'm like, ah. Wave cat got me feeling like wop dad. All I do is respond how I'm mad. It gets funny the more that you fuck. Well, you quick to make sure it's what you want. Why would I pray for your health? Hello, and thank you for listening to Cinephiles Digest. This is episode 107, and we've got a double header of reviews this episode. We're going to be talking about Prey, the new installment in the Predator franchise, as well as the latest film from Jordan Peele, Nope. Showing up a little late to the game, but, you know, life happens. We're here to bring our definitive take on the film. It's going to be huge. But before we talk movies, let me introduce my co-host, Travis. Welcome. Hello, Matthew. Did you uh, do your homework? No, I didn't uh, come up with a question. <laughs> I figure it's just the two of us, you know, we'll just have a little powwow, you know, nothing right, too formal, right, right. you know. Oh, it is just the two of us, by the way. We uh, Initially, Paris was going to record with us, but some scheduling conflicts occurred, uh, she has some uh, her hubby's family is in town, so she's busy. And Tom, I don't know what the fuck Tom is up to these days. So just us, just me and you, buddy. Sounds good. We will <laughs> be vibing. It's gonna be a big one. But uh, before we talk movies, what's been going on? I hear you've been uh, quite busy over the last twenty-four-ish uh, hours grinding. Well, it has been a very busy summer, but yes, uh, Apex Season 14 <laughs> just dropped yesterday, and as everyone knows, I am still addicted to that game three years later, and uh, so yeah, spent uh, pretty much all of my free time yesterday playing the game, and um, Matt was curious to talk about some of the changes that they made for this season, and mm-hmm. I told him to save it for the show because I know everyone wants to hear about him. You can't waste that material off air. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, it seemed like they were focusing mostly on balance changes, mainly with uh, weapons and legends or characters or however you want to describe them. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think they're just trying to remove some of the OP things in the game and give a little love to the things that are on the uh, other end of that spectrum. I don't know if they were completely successful with their balancing, but um, we're only a day in, so time will tell. <laughs> now, when you say you don't know if they were successful or not, is it that they like nerfed certain weapons so they're not fun to use anymore, or is there now like a new OP weapon or something? What do you mean you're not quite sure if they well, succeeded? So a big change this season was changes to the original map, Kings Canyon, and they attempted to make the map play better and have like less third party issues, um, all that jazz. But um, the map feels the exact same. <laughs> Whatever they did <laughs> to try and fix it did not work. And then, um, yeah, they essentially, some major changes were like the wingman is now in the sniper class, the, you know, the, the pistol. Yeah. Yeah, I heard about that. And then, like, the Spitfire used to take heavy ammo. Now it takes light ammo. So there's some changes like that. But it seems like instead of everyone using, you know, weapons A, B, and C, they're just going to use weapons D, E, and F now. So I don't really know if they really balance the game because people are just going to find 
the new OP thing to use and then exploit it. Right. I mean, that's always going to happen in a game that is competitive like that. I mean, Warzone has the same thing with meta changes where they like one gun emerges as the meta gun and that's all anyone uses and then they nerf it. And then, you know, there's some other gun that takes its place. So, I mean, there are a much smaller number of weapons in that game. So I guess it's cool in the sense that people will be, even if it's, you know, they're still OP, at least people will be using different guns than what they may have before, I guess. Yeah. Unless you don't like the new, you know, whatever the meta guns are. (laughs) It's not like they change the guns themselves, really, right? Uh, yes and no. I mean, so one of the things that I noticed yesterday was they brought the G7 out of the care package and put it back on the ground and everyone was using a G7 last night and ranked, which is not a good sign. (laughs) Well, to be fair, day one too, right? So I mean, (laughs) that is a cool gun. That's the scout sniper rifle, right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember. I mean, I, it was in my hands every round, so. Yeah. So. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know if it's best for the game if uh, everyone's using that. Right. That makes sense. And then, um, yeah, there was two legends that have, like, the lowest pick rate. And uh, they gave them a little bit of, bu- of a buff. But I don't know if it was enough to, like, push them into the meta. Right. And then Valk, she's, like, the um, probably, like, the number one legend right now. They did a pretty significant nerf to her. And everyone was thinking she's going to be, like, dead in the water. But... I think she'll be just fine and still really viable. So I don't I just don't know if all their changes are really going to equate to a more balanced game. But they tried. Right. I mean, you know, 14 seasons into a game, you got to do something to keep it fresh for players. Well, yeah, I guess a positive note is that it does feel more fresh because of the changes. It's just I don't know if they really fixed some of the balancing issues that they were trying to fix. Right, right. They just made it unbalanced in a different way. <laughs> yeah. But to your point, it's it's like damn near impossible to balance a game like this. And everyone's going to always pick the thing that gives them that little advantage because they need every little advantage in these types of games. <laughs> totally. And I mean, you also have the added element of like YouTubers and streamers who you watch people who are really good with a gun and that can influence like what people think the meta is. It's like, Oh, I see fucking Nick Merckx use the, you know, the G seven every match and he destroys people. So I need to be using that gun too. Like there's that added element of like, it's not necessarily the best gun. It's just people kind of following like, trends to try and compete kind of thing too there's an added element yeah. of that too i think i miss the days of uh like modern warfare where you just picked up the guns you liked and you know found success with it just rolled with those you weren't on youtube trying to find the best loadout or whatever and <laughs> i mean i'm super the game has changed <laughs> <laughs> no no so am i but I'm just the game has changed. <laughs> yes, it's very different. I'm I'm still a piece of shit who plays Warzone and I'm I'm the meta guy in my squad, so I'm always given like Trey for example shit because he'll want to use like a Mac 10 as an SMG. I'm like, "Dude, you're fuck you know how hard you're fucking me right now, Trey, <laughs> using that gun." You know, just like I'm very mean to him, but I'm yeah. I'm the same way. I'm I'm just I'm not as good at these games as I used to be, so I feel like like I I need any competitive edge that I can possibly get, and if that right. means using <laughs> the broken gun, I'm gonna use the fucking broken gun. 
<laughs> which I think is how a lot of people feel. Well, at least you haven't um, devolved into cheating. No, never. I would never. <laughs> I never really understood the appeal. <laughs> Very cool. Well, that was the Apex Legends uh, powwow. I hope the listeners enjoyed that. Um, what else has been going on? I know you've been busy. Anything fun to report? Uh, I went camping this past weekend. Oh yeah, you texted kind me of. where you went. I don't. I didn't look up where it is. Is that like on the coast or? Yeah. Where, yeah. Probably in between where I live and where you will be living. So like uh, it's like an hour north of me, but on the coast. So like you know, a little northwest. Interesting. So what is it like west of like Burlington or like Mount Vernon? Right. Yeah, like yeah, right around it's, there. Yeah. Interesting. Those were like the close cities: was Burlington Cl- and Mount Vernon. Okay. And uh, how was that? Yeah, pretty standard little camping <laughs> trip. It was with uh, Chelsea's mom and Chelsea's mom's husband. Yeah, we did the normal camping stuff. Ate some food, drank some beer, sat around the fire, played some catch. Went to a couple breweries, though. Went to uh, Chuck and Up Brewery and uh, this one called Garden Path Fermentation. Hmm. That was a funky one. Yeah. Do they do Ch- like. Uh, Chelsea's mom was not a fan of that one. <laughs> do they do like wild ales and like saisons, like that yep. kind of stuff? That is their bread and butter. But every like beer it. of theirs has that like earthy, florally taste to it, which, depending on the beer, I either like or dislike to a varying degree. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I enjoy that style, but it needs to be done well. Like, I've had some butt saisons in my life, you know? Mm hmm. So it it can be tough. I find the Holy Mountain is like they do some of the best saisons, at least in the Seattle area. I'm a big fan of. They're they're kind of the brewery that got me into that kind of stuff. Yeah, I find they do a pretty good job with that style. I did pick up one of those. Uh, is it De Degarde or Degarde? Degard, yeah. Degard, that one, yeah. Uh, picked up one of their bottles at Garden Paths Bottle Shop. Oh, nice. So they have like a bottle shop like attached to their, is it like a tap room slash like retail spot or like slash bottle shop? Like, um, It's a really small tap room that, you know, they, I think they brew their beer on site there, but then within their tap room, they have like a couple shelves of beer, but it's, it's mostly international stuff. And then they have a few like, I don't know, regional things as well. Like they have like a spot for Texas, Oregon, and then a bunch of different countries. Interesting. Okay. So pretty carefully curated, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> sounds, uh, I mean, with a name like Garden Path and a setup like that, it sounds pretty, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not hipster, but, you know, like... Kind of uh, farty, pretentious beer, you know. I'm a yeah. fan of that stuff, but it sounds like it's uh, true beer heads. True beer heads only. Yeah, I mean, it seems that way, but I didn't really get that vibe being in there. But the only person who w- was working there was this, like, younger girl. And she was like, oh, I'm gluten-free, so I don't drink any of the beer. So I don't think she knows a lick about what's going on in there, which is <laughs> fine, whatever. It's, it's a job for her, but... <laughs> Uh, you want someone with a little knowledge uh, running one of those places, in my opinion. Ideally, yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right. Nice. Enough, uh, enough beer and Apex chatter. You got anything <laughs> for us, Matthew? 
Um, not in particular. I am uh, anxious as fuck, which, you know, mm. it's not typically me, but I'm moving uh, next week. And it's, you know, it's a cross-country move, so it's Have it's you started stressful. packing? Yes. Yeah. That is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, uh, we're doing the pods thing, so our pod mm. is getting dropped off here at the house uh, in two days. And it'll be here for a week. So thankfully it gives us like a full week to, you know, load stuff into the pod and like. Did you do the pod thing last time too? No, we did a U-Haul like box, which is a similar concept, but it's it's like a shipping option. But we only had access to the the crate, not the crate, like the shipping thing for, for a day. So we had to like rent a U-Haul, load up the U-Haul, bring it to the facility and then load our stuff into the shipping pod or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was like a, you had to do it all in one day kind of thing. And then they shipped it to Florida. And then when it finally got here way late, I might add, we had to unload it into nice. our house. So you this is nice. Criterion collection for two weeks. It was rough. <laughs> that stuff is all packed up. So it's uh, it took three huge boxes to pack up all my my Blu-rays and box sets and Criterion. So yeah, I'm sad to see it go. But what's gonna be even more sad is within the next probably after the weekend, I'm gonna have to pack up my consoles and the TVs and stuff. So I am going to be bored. Ugh. I'll just spend eight hours reading. on Twitter or something. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I'm stressed. You know, it's a stressful situation, but I'm excited to get the fuck out of here and uh, move <laughs> into our place in uh, in Washington. Be back around all my people. Well, I'm excited to have you back in your home state, and uh, that hopefully that means some hangouts and maybe some mm-hmm. more uh, in person pods. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's not we're not too far apart, so it's definitely uh definitely doable. I do miss Maybe that. The, the special ones at least. Right. Your your uh Oppenheimers, your uh, you know, your Safty Bros releases. Uh-huh. Anything Charlie Coffin related. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, every Marvel movie. So, once a month, we'll get together and record uh, an episode about the newest Marvel movie. I know you're stoked, right? Let's not and say we did. Dude, I haven't seen a Marvel movie since... Fuck. I don't even... I have not seen Shang-Chi. I have not seen the new Spider-Man. I have not seen... I did not see Love and Thunder, the Thor one. Uh, Didn't see Eternals. Uh, You are checked out. (laughs) Oh, dude. And what am I missing? Is is there another one? I don't Uh, even know the last fucking one I saw. Did you say Doctor Strange? No, no. Multiverse of Madness? No. I did not like that one. No? I did watch it. Mm, I'm so curious. One of these days, I'll probably just like spend a weekend watching all the shit and get caught up, but I don't know, man. I don't care anymore. Yeah. I think so, I'm pretty much out, too. Even Oscar Isaac wasn't enough to get me back into Marvel. And Ethan Hawke. Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke were not enough to get me to watch Marvel-related properties. That yeah. tells you something. But... At this point in the game, who isn't in the fucking Marvel universe? They've got them all, Matt. That's They've true. Got them all. That's true. Well, <laughs> Gosling hasn't uh, bit the bullet yet. He hasn't sold out. Granted, he did do a movie with the Russo brothers for Netflix. Yeah, so he did sell out. It's almost Netflix. worse in some ways. But 
Half that movie's budget was his fucking paycheck. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man. Isn't Chris fucking... Yep. Which Chris is that? Not Hemsworth. Chris Evans. Chris Evans. He's <laughs> fucking Marvel head. All right. That's all I got, dude. Have we been... Uh, is that enough preamble? I think so. I, w- I will add real quick that um, I'm feeling the anxiousness as well, but for a different reason, because I'm uh, You're going overseas. to a different country. Yep. Yeah. It's just a lot of planning, and I'm just, like, nervous about, like, what could go wrong, and then also just, like, all the travel in between, and just, you know, I'm just this fucking English-speaking white boy. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to go on my little honeymoon and yeah hoping for the best but um always kind of nervous entering uh you know uh what is it called territory unmarked territory <laughs> <laughs> unmarked territory <laughs> yep no one's ever going into the bermuda triangle no from where no one's gone before <laughs> no i get what you're saying i i'm i'm the same way i like worry about the stuff that could potentially go wrong and just get like nervous you know i'm just basically kind of a nervous wreck right that's now. a great way to live life. <laughs> <laughs> i'll be much happier when it's fucking over oh my god um but having said that uh, that does mean that the podcast feed is probably going to be a little light for the next yeah. month, probably, because uh, I'm going to be moving and then I'll be staying with my parents for, you know, a week or so before Haley and I can move into our new place. And then we got to move in, get settled. And then you're going to be how long is your trip, by the way? Are you going to be gone for like two weeks or? Yep. I get back September 11th. Oh, so. Yeah. so you can celebrate. <laughs> had to be back in the country for that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you basically, you leave around the time that I get back to Washington. So, th- this will probably be the last episode that uh, you'll see in the feed for a little bit. But we'll get back on track once everybody's settled. And um, we'll get back yeah. into the grind. Things are just this was, so up in the air. This was our year to get right. And uh, we fumbled the bag a little bit. But I think we will finish strong. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. after Italy, I'm done. I'm, done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking married. I have a house that I live in now. Once we get this Italy bullshit out of our system, I'm never leaving the house. 2023 is the year of staying home. <laughs> All right, there with you, buddy. All right. How about we talk uh how about we talk pray? Let's do it. This is the part where I would usually say, oh, I've got a clip. Let's go ahead and listen in. But uh, I'm going to try to give myself the least amount of editing work that I can. So no one cares about pre clips anyway. I was actually going to get into this, and this is a perfect time to do so. I think the clips are stupid on any podcast. I kind of agree, but... They're just not worth it. And like, it's probably not worth you going to find it and then splicing it into the episode. And whenever I hear a, a clip played back to me i'm just like you just wasted my time like i just fast forward past the clip what is the point of that clip i don't know man it's it's just been done a certain way for so long oh i'm so glad you agree though we need to kill the trend because it's trash i'm gonna get on my soapbox here i do (laughs) take great pleasure though in inserting unrelated clips when i say 
like the classic example is when we re- reviewed King Kong versus Godzilla and oh, put in I that King that. Kong monologue from Training Day. You know, it's that kind of stuff. I have a brings me great joy, but I've only done it like three or four times. So. I think if you can sneak something in like that, go for it. But otherwise, who gives a <laughs> shit? <laughs> Find other ways to be creative with that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, thank God! All right, well, fuck clips then. That's the last time you'll ever hear the word <laughs> clip on this show again. <laughs> fuck off! All right. Well, let's talk Prey. Um, I've got the plot synopsis on IMDb pulled up. Let me go ahead and read this bad boy real quick. The origin story of the Predator in the world of the Comanche Nation 300 years ago. Naru, a skilled warrior, fights to protect her tribe against one of the first highly evolved Predators to land on Earth. Director is Dan Trachtenberg, who you would know as the director of 10 Cloverfield Lane. Film stars Amanda Midthunder, Dakota Beavers, what a name, Dane Deligro, Stormy Kip. Um, interesting thing that I'm just going to point out right here. In, so in that uh, plot synopsis, it does not say the first highly evolved predator. It says one of the first highly evolved predators. Do you think that's mm-hmm. intentional? Does that Do they do that so they can go even further back? And fight, um, like, you know, have, like, a fucking knights, like a paladin fighting a fucking predator or something. So, I think it may be intentional, and I didn't do any research, but I was listening to a podcast earlier today, and they mentioned something about doing, like, yeah, kind of like spinoffs, where it's going to be predators at different times, you know, so I think it's opening the gates for more Predator movies. I'm just going to start things off by saying I would 100% watch any movie with a Predator in a, in any time period. I think that's an awesome idea. <laughs> <laughs> and that leads into my thoughts on this movie. Um, I thought it was pretty good. You know, it was uh, quite entertaining. Not a perfect film. There are a couple nitpicky things that maybe bother me a little bit. Um, wasn't a huge fan of some of the pandering uh, callbacks to, well, the original Predator in particular. But some of the pandering stuff, fan service shit, you know, could have done without it. And there's a couple other things that I'll get into later. But overall, I thought it was pretty lean and mean, pretty tightly paced. Um, I thought there were some cool action sequences. Really, really like the lead uh, actor, Amanda Midthunder. I thought she was great. Um, and I kind of like her her character arc, maybe a little a little cliche in some in some sense, but yeah. I thought it was satisfying. I found her arc satisfying anyway, and I really liked her performance. And um, probably the coolest looking predator since uh, probably since the first the first predator, I would say. I, I was digging the uh, the weird like skull visor thing. I thought that was pretty neat. So, you know, could it could it have done more to kind of differentiate itself? Yes, but at the same time, it's, you know, the fucking sixth or seventh entry or whatever in a franchise. So it's like some of that stuff needs to be there, like those genre beats that need to be hit. But overall, I was I was pretty satisfied with it. Yeah, I mean, just to piggyback off that last comment real quick, I think it was um, trying to do like level set the franchise and wasn't trying to do too much more than what it did. Because, um, you know, the last couple, I, I know you loved Shane Black's The Predator, but <laughs> um, yeah, they've 
kind of dropped the ball. I mean, yeah, I guess that goes into my thoughts about the movie. Uh, I liked it, but I don't think it was anything that special. And um, I think people are overhyping it a bit. But maybe they were just excited for like another solid Predator entry, which I guess I can appreciate. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the only really, yeah, the only Predator movie that I really love is the first one. Second one is not very good. The one with uh, Adrian Brody, Predators from 2010, mm-hmm. I thought was solid. And then um, The Predator, directed by Shane Black from a few years ago, was not the biggest fan of. This probably falls, I don't know, second or third in the list, but um, not much competition. (laughs) And um, I think the thing that I didn't like about it was it was too CG heavy, and I didn't think the CG looked great at times. It looked fine or serviceable in most areas. And whenever you're dealing with this many CG animals and this level of budget, you're going to run into some problems. Just looked a little too glossy and fake for my liking. That's fair. I would agree with you. To touch on the digital thing, I would agree with you when it comes to the Predator. Like when they resort to like some of the CG action sequences of him like jumping through trees and stuff. Mm -hmm. That kind of breaks the realism for me. I didn't really have so much of a problem with some of the CG animals like the bear and the wolf and that kind of stuff. Like I th- it, it looked serviceable and you kind of expect that when you're dealing with, you know, big predatory animals in a, in a production like this. So that right. didn't really bother me, but you, there is something that's lost when you have a digital predator. Like that's part of what makes the first movie so special because it's all essentially it's all practical as far as the stuff that they do with predator. Right. And it kind of adds to that sense of like competition and the hunter and the hunted kind of thing when there's like a physical presence that's embodied. You know what I mean? You do yeah. lose something a bit when you can tell that you're watching a computer generated image, but it's not necessarily something that bothered me per se. Yeah, I just think that's where I prefer the original. I mean, I'm sure most people do, but. I haven't seen anybody who's like saying this is the best Predator movie. I have pretty consistently been seeing that it's the second best Predator movie. And. But again, there's really not a ton of competition. So how much is that really saying? Well, yeah, that's fair. But I mean, it's a pretty beloved franchise. I mean, every pretty much every entry has its fans like even the alien versus predator movies but a lot of people probably have the same thought as you as put a predator in any movie and i'm (laughs) right i mean that's so i think that's the thing is that the first predator is just head and shoulders so much better than all the others but overall i don't think any of them really are like bad i haven't seen predator 2 ever at least not start to finish i think i've talked about this on the show before but you have seen yes, predator 2 right <laughs> the the, 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 the sex, sex scene <laughs> yeah, yeah i watched that a lot uh but i don't think i've ever seen the movie uh <laughs> start to finish anyway 
So I do know some people, especially lately, the the Predator Two folks have been kind of coming out of the woodwork to like actually Predator Two was good, that kind of shit. Of course they are. So I am curious, um, and all of them are on Hulu right now, so I think that's kind of adding to people kind of reevaluating it. But I yeah. like Predators, like you. I mean. As you said, you didn't like The Predator, but I was a fan of The Predator. I haven't rewatched it, but... And I remember liking Alien vs. Predator at the time. Uh, I remember disliking Requiem, although I've only seen both of those once, so who knows? Yeah. They're probably not I've, shit. But. I've never seen Requiem, and I have only seen AVP in the theater, which is now yeah. fucking a long time ago. 15 years ago at this point. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. I did like it. I just, I don't know. I think I was maybe a little overhyped just based on people's reaction. So maybe that's where I differ. But um, yeah, I guess a couple more thoughts. Um, uh, Yeah, the first half I didn't really find that interesting because a lot of it was predator killing animals. Like even like the scene with the snake just felt so unnecessary unless it was i don't know it seemed like it was working its way up to like the humans Mm -hmm. so i guess if you look at it as like progression but to me that just like added to the repetitiveness of the movie and the the scene that was like the jumping off point for me was like halfway in with uh the they were held yeah like the two main characters were held captive with the french people that scene was pretty awesome. That was probably the standout. I liked the movie from there, but the first, I don't know, it took a while for me to like get into it because it just felt like, I don't know, it just felt kind of generic up until that point. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was kind of establishing our main character because she has to go through this arc where it's like, you know, we've seen it a million times where someone's like, I'm ready. I want to do this thing. And everyone's like, no, you're not ready. You're a woman. Go back to camp and cook. You know, like those kind of traditional beats that you would see in this kind of story. And then she has to try and fail and then be ridiculed. And it's like, but you know, that's establishing a kind of running theme through the predator movies where it's like it's never the strongest person who takes out the predator it's the smartest most resourceful one who does right so i mean they go through the trouble of like establishing her and her having to see her fail like when she's um in the tree with the mountain lion and she chokes basically I, i get why that's there i do agree that the second half of the movie is is more entertaining but I was never bored. Um, now, one thing that there has been a little debate over, and I, I doubt that this bothered you. It didn't bother me, but I'm curious to at least broach uh-huh. the subject. <laughs> is, I mean, it's set in, I think, the 1700s, somewhere in, in the 16th century, maybe early 18th century. Um, oh, it says 300 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So, 17, so 18th century, like 1700s. Um it follows the Comanche, but they all speak English, and which is fine. But then you go through the trouble of having like the historical accuracy of the trappers being French, and the trappers speak French, but the indigenous people mostly speak English with a little bit of Comanche, right? Yeah. Now, 
I, that does not bother me. I recognize that this is a franchise film. It's fucking 20th century Disney who's producing it. Like, <laughs> do I think the movie would have been more immersive and better off if they had actually done, like, had the actors do their lines in Comanche? That would have ruled, right? But they went through the effort of, like, putting out a Comanche dub. But it's, you know, it's just dubbed over the act. Like, it's the actual actors doing the dub, but it's a dub. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it's like, that didn't take me out of the movie, but there have been a lot of people who are like, oh, it breaks the immersion because the the negatives speak English. It's like, yeah, this is a fucking Disney movie. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. Did that cross your mind at all? Yeah, I did hear about it and or hear about that, and I thought it was weird. I did watch the English version for the record, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think, I mean, maybe next time I watch it, I'll watch it with the Comanche dub. I think I would have just preferred it to just be the native language as the, you know, feature or whatever, and everyone just accept it. But right. I get it. We live in a different world, so <laughs> the movie would have been better off cater. for it. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as marketability, I mean uh Haley's uh parents are a perfect example. Like they won't watch movies with subtitles. So, mm-hmm. you know, they just probably wouldn't have fucking they would have no interest in watching this movie if it was all subtitled. So it's like I get it, it's, but it's weird too because I'd say well, yeah, a lot of people I've talked to that are our age like stuff with subtitles on it even yes. like english speaking stuff they like to still turn subtitles on that is definitely a like have it's because we do a lot of watching at home because we all have smart tvs mm-hmm. and streaming devices and for a lot of people it's just background noise you know what i mean mm-hmm. um i have kind of started doing that too because of Haley, because she likes the subtitles and so now i just kind of by default most of the time have subtitles I think on i can comprehend movies a bit better with subtitles but i do think they are a bit distracting at times so yeah i think there's like a good balance or you know certain movies call for them when others don't right if you're watching a talkie sure but if you want to see that sweet sweet Hoyt Van Hoytema cinematography, you know, pay attention yeah. to all the details. You can't have the the words uh, pulling <laughs> your eyes away from the magic on screen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I guess this could lead into our next point. I did think everyone but the lead performer was kind of lackluster performance wise. Yeah, everyone was serviceable. I there wasn't like a fine. Yeah. <laughs> At best. Uh, there there <laughs> wasn't anyone who I was like, wow, that's bad. But I also was like, you could tell they were but just there if, to deliver the lines. And If they know. had done Comanche, like spoke it and acted it, I don't think we would have noticed the performance as much. And for this movie anyways, you're there for the Predator and the action. So I, I think maybe people could have put up with the subtitles. because You know what I mean? Like that... The the non-Predator parts are not that interesting in this movie. Um, like, sure, there is an arc, but it's been done a million times. And beyond that, like, I don't know. For me, I was mainly there for the Predator. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, I mostly agree with you. It, but it's also like, 
there's got to be something there to like make it a feature length film. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I, I agree that's the least interesting thing about the movie is, you know, I, I appreciate the setting and what they did with the characters. And I think it's, it's awesome for represent representation for people to be able to, who were indigenous or natives who can watch this film and be like, that's cool. I see myself on the screen. I get to see myself fighting a predator that rules. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's awesome. A step um, in the right direction for sure. <laughs> and it's not perfect by any means, but like you can't knock it for going out of its way to at least try to have some semblance of like, you know, authenticity to it. So I appreciated that very much, but it's not particularly well written. And I think part of what you're alluding to is like with them speaking English, there is a lot of like kind of modern like delivery, like as far as some of the things they say and the way that they speak, like you can tell that these are people who are living in 2022, like by the way they deliver some of their lines, you know, and it, it, it kind of negates some of the immersion that the movie is going for, but what are you going to do? I mean, there's no like recordings of Comanches in the 1700s, like to be able to emulate their vocal patterns. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not plausible to try and have that level yeah, of authenticity. Yeah, this is fucking Robert Eggers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I overall, I found it to be pretty pretty enjoyable. And it's pretty short, too. I mean, there's almost 10 minutes of credits. So, like, the true running time is pretty much 90 minutes. So, uh, Yep, not complaining about that. <laughs> I, I was happy with what I got. It, was it a revelation? No, but like I said at the top of the review, fucking put a predator anywhere, anytime, and I'll fucking watch that movie. Yeah, that's fair. I, yeah, I, it was... It was worth watching, serviceable. I would probably watch it again down the road at some point, but I think I just wanted a little bit more. Sure. But, I just mean, the way people were talking about it. It may not be the movie's fault. Give the movie a little bit more money. Maybe it's a little bit cooler. Yeah. I mean, kudos to Dan Trachtenberg. I mean, he's he's very serviceable director. I think 10 Cloverfield yeah, Lane is the only other feature. He's a but... podcaster. Now he's fucking directing Predator movies. That's the dream, right? That yeah. could be us someday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta start writing that script. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't have anything else to add to you. Uh, no, I think we're good. Cool. All right. Let's do star ratings. What are you going to give Prey out of five? I'm giving it a three. Nice. 3.5 for me. Like to just a little bit more than you, I guess. Cool. It's got the uh, Predator franchise bump. That's true. That's very true. All right. It's going to do it for Prey. Let's go ahead and move on to the main events of the show. So the new feature film from Jordan Peele. It's going to be a lot to get into. We're going to rehash the Egghead Peele uh, Aster conversation now that we've seen. Well, I guess we still haven't seen Aster's third. Maybe it's too early for this conversation. Never mind. Sorry, jump the gun a bit. (laughs) A little check-in at the end. Um, So, nope. Plot synopsis. The residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. Written and directed by Jordan Peele. 
film stars Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, Stephen Yoon, Michael Wincott, Keith David. Uh, that's enough. That's enough names. There's other people in the film, but so this movie was delayed by COVID. I can't recall exactly when it was supposed to come out, but I think it was the summer COVID started. I think was when this was originally slated to come out. Um, finally happened. Jordan Peele's third film following get out and us. Um, both of those were reviewed on this show. So you can check the record where we stand on Peel, but with Nope. This is first foray into uh, blockbusters, we shall say. Uh, Travis, do you want to go first, or would you like me to go first? Uh, sure, I can kick this off. Oh, real quick, before you kick things off. Let's say up front, I think at the very beginning of the conversation, we'll try to be general, but we're not really going to concern ourselves with spoilers just because we are coming to this review a couple weeks after the movie's been out. Most people who are listening who have probably had an opportunity to see the film. So we're going to speak pretty openly. I'm sure it'll be fairly general to start, but um, we're not going to have a separate spoiler section. So just straight up at the front. If you do not want to be spoiled, come back to this review when you have seen the film. Take it away, Travis. Tread lightly. <laughs> All right. Uh, I really liked Nope. Borderline loved it. Uh, I'm a pretty big fan of Jordan Peele. Have been uh, since Get Out, just mm-hmm. like uh, most people. I know he's a beloved filmmaker and has kind of skyrocketed since uh, his first film. Mm-hmm. And um, now he's like in the conversation with Nolan and couple of the other big directors whenever one of their movies comes out it's uh, an event movie mm-hmm. when his movies come out now and i don't think nope is perfect and i don't know if it works a hundred percent but with all of his movies i love that he like swings for the fences and packs his movies with a lot of ideas and stuff to think about and I like how his movies are conversation starters and um, there's always some amazing imagery and sequences and overall I think is like an entertaining thrill ride. So um, yeah, I think I overall really liked it. Um, May not be perfect, but I would take Nope over like the majority of movies released in a given year. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Okay. So I think we're almost on the exact same page. I'm curious to see how the conversation goes, but um, I'm going to kind of repeat a lot of the sentiments that you just expressed. So I, I did really like it. Was it perfect? No, there were some things that uh, didn't quite work for me. Um, there are a few things that I disliked about the film. However, I, so I'm going to take this a different direction. I'm going to say up front, I watch a lot of horror movies, a lot of thrillers, a lot of stuff that's supposed to put you on edge, right? I've seen it all. And it's rare that a movie makes me feel like genuinely tense watching it. And I will say there were a couple sequences in this movie where I was genuinely like nervous watching. And part of that is just the scale. Like we don't see a lot of movies like this nowadays 
kind of in that Spielberg vein um, going for this kind of film. So that definitely is a factor, but I was very impressed. And we already know from his prior films that, you know, Jordan Peele knows how to direct horror, knows how to build tension. So I was very impressed in that regard. Um, I think the movie looks amazing. I mean, we mentioned him earlier in the show, but Hoyt Van Hoytema is the cinematographer on this and man, look great. Love some of the, like, especially some of the, the nighttime sequences and some of the daytime shots uh, where the camera's like pointed at the sky and it's kind of spinning around the characters I thought looked amazing. Um, performances generally pretty good character wise. And like some of the writing, um, wasn't a hundred percent on board with all of it. I'm sure we'll get into specifics soon, but for the most part, especially the dynamic between the brother sister combo, uh, OJ and Emeralds played by mm-hmm. Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer liked a lot of that stuff. Um, but there are some other characters where I'm just like, like, how did they even get into the mix here? Like, there was some believability stuff I struggled with where I was like, you know. So I, we're speaking openly this review. So I'll just say straight up, Angel, that character, the guy who works at Fry's. Mm-hmm. I liked him. I like him a lot. And once his character was established, I enjoyed his presence. But the way he's introduced and the way he just kind of like inserts himself into the story, I was like, we're really just going to allow this to happen. I did think that was kind of funny though, because (laughs) typically that character you see once, maybe twice. And it's kind of like a, you know, like comedic relief or something. Yeah. Yeah. But then he like finds a way to stick around and they just let him like, (laughs) well, I think the reason for it plays into one of the themes of the movies. Um, just like about like spectacle and exploitation and everyone wanting to get like a slice of it. So I could see it from that aspect, but yeah, it did seem kind of weird that he just was staying around, but I mean, they did give reason for it. Yes. It's not that it wasn't um, justified in the screenplay, but the fact that it's even written in there in the first place is more of where I was like, because like he happens to work at the fries in Burbank, California, where there's a fucking UFO like crash into the building. Right. <laughs> he clearly has an interest in UFOs from, you know, within minutes of meeting him, his character is like, are you talking UFOs? You know, like clearly knows his shit. Yeah. But like, what are the odds that they're going to go to that? You know, they're going to go to that fries. That guy is going to be working there. You know, of course, he likes fucking aliens. And yeah, right. I mean, that's <laughs> what it boils down to. Right. It's, it's entertainment. But there were just moments like that where I was just a little like, OK, it feels a little forced. I haven't felt that a ton from Peel's previous screenplays. Maybe a little bit in Get Out, but I haven't really felt that as much. So. Maybe a little nitpicky, but that was one thing straight away where I was like, okay, you know. (laughs) Well, the cinematographer felt that way to a degree, too. Yes, for sure. But that was also almost for comedic, um, like, relief as well, especially the very end. Well, of, yeah, towards the end of the movie. Yeah, let's let's circle back to that because I do do want to talk about that because that was another moment a sticking point where I was like, really? Does that have to be here? 
Let, I let's. That's funny. <laughs> what well, I don't know if that was, it was the like, intention though. Like it was like over the top. You know, like do anything for the the shot, basically. Because uh, I think that's that's how sub cinematographers are, and like even film directors, like they're very pretentious in that way. I mean, it was, it was like satire, like you know, it was so over the top. But I don't know. Maybe that wasn't the intention. But that's how I took it. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you're going for. Like I, I understand that that may have been the intention, but it played, it played goofy and, to me. And sure, maybe it was supposed to be goofy, but I didn't like it. I guess is what it boils down. It did to. give us a pretty cool shot too. That's true. Okay, let's. That's a good uh, segue into talking about. Let's see how do how do I want to tackle this? So. Let's start at the beginning. So the trailers to this movie, pretty cryptic, right? Kind of vague. You can tell it's alien related, but like, is it alien abduction? Like, is it going for like a fire in the sky type vibe? Or is it like, you know, war of the world's invasion type thing? Like, you can't really tell from the trailers, right? That's 100% intentional. Now, what the movie actually is, and I'm curious to see how, how you felt about it, was it's ultimately more of a monster movie because it's like you're led to believe that it's a flying saucer but it's it's an organic creature that looks like a flying saucer and mm-hmm. i do think there's some interesting stuff that they do with that some good moments of tension we can point out specifics later but from a design perspective I wasn't a huge fan of the way that it looked, especially towards the end when it gets like kind of weird where I was like, I don't really know what's happening here. And I get that it's alien. It's supposed to be strange. You know, it's the whole arrival thing where it's like, it's intentionally trying to be something that we can't comprehend, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't love the way it looked. Um, yeah, I can. I'm kind of with you there. Um, it looks like I'm a blanket okay with, or something, you know, like <laughs> like yeah, the texture like was off, or flowing something. in the wind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the saucer form, it's it's kind of basic, but like so is, well, not really arrival. I think arrival was pretty unique. But, yes, um, yeah. I think the the reasoning for it or what makes it cool is that it was a fake out, you know making you think that it's a UFO, but it when actuality it's a creature. Yes. Yeah. So there was there was a reason for it looking like that at least. And it's not the like, you know, round head, big eyed, green creature, whatever. Although that is there too. <laughs> yes. That was an awesome fake out scene. <laughs> yeah. Well let's come right back to that, but but finish finish your thought. Um, yeah, regarding the design, yeah, uh, yeah. towards the end, I didn't love the look of it. And sure, you can probably give a reason for why it looked that way or why it changed. Um, but yeah, for me, it almost reminded me of like the end of Midnight Special in a way. <laughs> Where it's, I don't know, like you just, it's it's an image that is going for this like awe moment. And it didn't like... I don't know, fully wow me or maybe it just wasn't what I expected. And so, yeah, I just didn't know how to comprehend it. But I think it was a little like plain looking and just, yeah, kind of (laughs) weird. Yeah, plain plain is a basic but like 
thorough descriptor, I think. I was just a little underwhelmed by the design choice. Um, now you I mean, pr- I'm glad it wasn't like a like a monster looking thing and it actually tried to look, you know, beautiful in a sense or like angelic. Yeah. So at I, least it didn't look like a predator. It but it it was a predator still, so Right, and it's I funny. Th- I think you were tr- you were supposed to like find the beauty in its form, but I don't know if it fully worked for either of us. <laughs> yes, there was just something that felt a little. I don't know. I mean, I already said it kind of looks like a blanket. Like it was like a texture thing for me, which is, sounds weird to say about an alien, but like there was just something. I don't know. It didn't feel cheap, and there's definitely a big element of spectacle. That it's going mm-hmm. for, especially when it kind of takes on that uh, that alternate form. But I was also thinking, like, why is why is it doing this? Like, because it does revert to its original form at a certain point, and then it goes back, and it's a whole thing. So, I'm I think we're on relatively similar pages though when it comes to yeah, maybe being a little underwhelmed by the design of it. Maybe I was just expecting something more horrific. And maybe that's just me projecting based on Peel's other films, you know, that I was looking for something that was a little bit more like, I don't know, like Lovecraftian or something, you know, and it just wasn't that. And maybe just because it didn't play into my expectations, like, who knows, maybe we should be giving the movie credit for not playing into our expectations. But yeah, but we did get some pretty good horrific imagery. Yes, I would say for like a big blockbuster movie like this oh yeah and less so like for me anyway less so horrific imagery and more so horrific sound design like that scene where the alien uh well the viewer is what they call it in the film where the viewer goes to uh jupiter's ranch where they have like the show and it just cuts to black and you just hear the screams of the people being eaten by the alien. That was yeah, fucking that was brutal. Awesome. That was so good. <laughs> the sound design in this movie is incredible across the board. That was the stuff that worked best for me well, like from a and then horror standpoint. addition to that, like the shot of them get, being sucked up and then seeing them inside the creature, like in the esophagus or intestines of it. Yes, yes. But but again, I did kind of have that thing where it looked like like fabric almost. And it <laughs> took me out of it a bit where I was like, what the fuck? Are they being like pushed around in blankets or something? Like that was cool though. I love the way it was framed. Like I don't know, uh, I guess it was filmed. For like a monster alien movie, I've always wanted to see something like that and i finally did i don't know if it's been done in another movie but i haven't seen it if it <laughs> i feel like guardians of the galaxy might have done that actually but mm, those don't you count. hate marvel so yeah, yeah <laughs> um let's so let's go back to arguably my favorite scene so you, we talked about uh you know the aliens little green men with the big eyes or whatever there's a mm-hmm. scene it's probably what like maybe a third of the way into the movie um where oj our lead character is like investigating some sounds and some lights and you see a figure just like stand up in the background and i like my heart dropped like the closest thing i could compare it to 
was seeing signs for the first time, like the home mm-hmm. video thing where you see the alien walk past the camera. It's funny that they're both alien movies, right? But like that's like, that like was the a, first thing that came to mind when I saw it. Kind of like The Strangers? A little bit. Something like appearing in. in the foreground. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I more so just mean like the my visceral reaction to the image was like yeah. it was strong. Like I was like fuck, like full body chills. <laughs> so and just the way the whole scene plays out, I was like, this is awesome. But mm-hmm. then it just kind of turns out to be a red herring in a sense, because they're just kids dressed up Which, as aliens, you know? In my opinion, makes it even more awesome. <laughs> it is. It's funny, right? But for me, uh, here, here's why I approach it from this way, is on rewatches, I don't know if it's going to work the same because I know that they're just kids in costumes, right? Yeah. Like, if they if it was aliens, like, it would maybe keep some of... Like, obviously, you're going to lose a little bit anytime. But, yeah, I feel like all of his like movies are going to lose a little bit on rewatch because they're always going for, like, the reveal or the twist. Yes. That's, it's kind of like M. Night's movies. I mean, once you know the twist, it's not as cool. Sure, you'll revisit and you'll still enjoy watching it, but... It'll never be as good as that first time. Because even the second time I watched Get Out, it felt like diminishing returns. Um, so yes. I, I'm trying to give that movie some space before I go back to it because I want it to like feel like it did the first time. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I more so just mean like the potency of the tension is maybe diluted a little bit because now when I see that next time, I feel like a lot of the horror is going to be lost on me. Whereas with yeah. Signs, I still get the chills when I watch that scene in Signs. I still get the chills when I watch the end of the Blair Witch Project. I still get the chills when I watch, um, you know, like the exorcist when she crawls backwards down the stairs. Like there are certain scenes that don't lose their potency or at least a, they may be a little bit. It'll never be the same as the first time you saw it. But yeah. I guess I can't say for sure since I've only seen the movie one time, but I love that scene so much that I couldn't help but feel a little disappointed when it was kind of a, uh, a uh-huh. faint in a sense. Yeah. Like a gotcha moment. Come on, Matt. You know, it's a bit, it's a bit, everything's a bit. <laughs> it's all days. for the bit. I get it. I love bits as much as the next guy, but um, I really the like whole that. movie scene. is a bit. <laughs> um, what about the Gordy stuff? Love the Gordy stuff. Now, I love the Gordy stuff too. Did <laughs> how do you feel as like it just fits? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just mean thematically. Like I get what it's going for, and I'm I'm glad it's there, but I don't know. I'm conflicted because it's like those Gordy scenes are some of the best in in the movie. Like some of the most tense. Like some they of the do most violent. Feel- a bit shoehorned or injected into the movie, if that's what you're getting at. A, a little bit, yeah. I guess I just, like on a thematic level, I guess. Do they do a lot for you or do they do a little? Because like, I get what they're going for and it doesn't necessarily elevate the movie for me thematically. It's just kind of hammering home. Part the of theme. it is his like world building though and wanting to like connect things and have things span across time and all that. Like, I don't know. He, it seems like he loves trying to like connect things in as many ways as possible and like set up Easter eggs in his movies and stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And that's fair because it's working on multiple levels because you have, I mean, you have the like uh, the exploitation of humans against, you know, animals or nature, whatever you want to call it. Like you have that element because it's a fucking wild animal that they're dressing up in a fucking kid's outfit. Uh, and it's a very dangerous creature like you have that element but then you also have the like the Steven Yoon character like that's obviously very important for his character's arc but he's a pretty minor character in the movie so it's like they spend a lot of time with this Gordy stuff I mean there's lots of layers to it so I guess if you take that out like you lose several layers like it's doing multiple things at once but i guess at least on a first watch anyway it felt a little um shoehorned is too strong of a word but i don't know it didn't 100 percent work for me even though i felt very strongly about the sequences on like a tension level you know yeah i mean i ultimately liked its place in the the story or what it's going for and i did think it was or yeah both sequences well i guess it's one main sequence and then the movie also opens with kind of like a a teaser for that scene yeah that's the first scene in the movie right doesn't it, it literally yeah. opens with like gordy covered in blood right yeah and he looks into the camera yeah oh my god what a way to awesome. open or towards movie. the camera yeah fuck that was awesome because <laughs> i was like uh what I know. <laughs> like was the trailer just the ultimate fake it's just the old switcheroo so yeah this movie is ac- it's actually planet of the apes <laughs> um yeah that's that's the next gimmick you just re- <laughs> release a trailer and then <laughs> a completely different movie wasn't there that's kind of what 10 clover no not 10 cloverfield lane what was that movie there's some movie that was like is it cloverfield paradox why am i keep going back to cloverfield isn't there some movie that it's like all of the build-up and like the marketing made you think it was something else and then it turns out it was like a franchise movie do you know what i'm talking about Mm. am i making this up it's uh is it is it 10 it's not 10 cloverfield lane it's the name Yes. Okay. That's what I was thinking of. The, like that's a fucking awesome idea. I wish more movies. Yeah. Maybe maybe it'll happen move, more moving forward, but that's an awesome marketing play. Alas, that's not really what was going on here, but um Jordan Peele, M Night. Collab mm-hmm. of the Future. What? I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a Jordan Peele script directed by Shyamalan. <laughs> Get Shyamalan out of the fucking writer's room. God damn. But Peele script, Shyamalan directing? Oh my God. Or he, maybe they could even do like a Coen Brothers thing. And yeah, <laughs> fucking yeah. co direct. That would be huge. Or, or like get, a get like a grindhouse on board thing. and we'll just do like a super group <laughs> oh, <man>. directorial effort. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, the, the the Spielberg influence is definitely pretty pretty heavy, both from a like a you don't really see this kind of big budget blockbuster anymore, like a, a wholly original, like tons of money. The craft is just on another level. Like it's definitely like our generation's version of Spielberg, right? Like I feel like that's yeah. kind of the crown that he's going to be wearing moving forward after this movie. It's like our generation Spielberg, which makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, it's kind of like Close Encounters, War of the Worlds, and Jaws all in one. Oh, yeah. 
for sure. Because even the final shot is very reminiscent of the like final moment in Jaws. Yes. Um. So, I guess since we, you brought the final moment, we can talk about how the movie ends. I mean, how satisfying did you find the... I mean, it's a pretty extended sequence, but like the whole last probably... It might even be the last 30 minutes. Like tw- It's a big chunk of the movie, 20 to 30 minutes. Like their plan, essentially. Um, how did you feel about the way that that was executed? Because I was a little like, I don't know. Some of it was um, a little clunky. Like they know not to look at it, but they do it anyway in many situations. And I mean, I guess now we can talk is it the time where we'll talk about the director and his fate. Cause I, I wasn't a huge fan of that, but it sounds like you have different opinions. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess general start generally, like how did you feel about the, we'll call it the climax, the climax of the film. Everything was kind of leading up to this big set piece moment. Did it work for you? Outside of the yeah. monster stuff. We I thought it was, about. I thought it was pretty awesome and I didn't really have any issues with it. No issues. Interesting. Very interesting. Now, what about the TMZ thing? The guy with the globe thing? Like, you didn't feel... I get it's going for the exploitation, the spectacle, and the vultures trying to get the perfect shot. Like, I get what it's going for, but it felt a little convenient that he just happened to show up right when this happens. You know what I mean? That didn't bother you at all? Didn't cross your mind? Don't care? It's a movie. No. I mean, I can, I guess I could see that, but I don't know. I don't, I don't usually, I I guess if I'm enjoying a movie, I get less hung up on conveniences, but if I'm not, then I might like focus on those a little bit more or bring those up as like detractors. Just if it didn't have those (laughs) conveniences, it would be a perfect movie. Well, what do you want instead then? Why didn't you write the movie? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I will. I'll uh, punch up the script and do a YouTube remake of it, a recut. Well, okay, so fine, no problem with the TMZ guy. Um, I mean, yes, it all it all kind of wraps up pretty neatly for them. Everything works out like perfectly in that sense. But again, it's a movie, and it was kind of going for that Hollywood ending to a degree. Well, so here's where I kind of draw issue with the artist's intention thematically versus the practicality and, like, believability of the moment, specifically with the director guy. Like, it was mission accomplished. They were good to go. And then he just, like, chooses to pull out his, like, other mechanical camera and just like his IMAX camera. Was was it is was it his intention all along to die? Like did like I just I guess I don't understand like he wanted to he get the perfect shot at the expense of his life? Like who cares? No one's even gonna see the footage because the camera fucking broke. How do you know the film it fucking broke, bro- bud. I know it but how do you know the broke. film is broken? It broke. The fucking monster it, like exploded. Mm, and it would have fallen destroyed. the camera would have fallen from such a height come on you're kidding doesn't yourself if you think destroyed. if you think that footage survived but it he wouldn't even uploaded to the cloud <laughs> <laughs> like i that didn't cross like that didn't bother you at all like 
what I guess what was that what was that moment his, for that character? It's his going legacy. For? The perfect shot. It's his legacy, man. But what he did, why was it not perfect? Like why is him I don't know. I mean I he guess he saw the opportunity to get the perfect shot and was willing to risk his life for it, and he did. Right. That's what that's what I mean. Cause he's like that is playing into the themes of the film, right? When you're like, shooting out there, Matt, you don't have time to think. You see oh the perfect God. shot, you take it. He had it. They captured a literal alien on camera. Like, how was that not good enough for him? I guess was my thing. Like oh. the fact that he went out of the way for him to be like, no, I need to get the perfect shot. And I guess to 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 George, to Peel's credit, like we see the shot. It's shit. I mean, it's fucking dust and wind and his legs thrashing around. And then you get to see a little bit of the, you know, the aliens like hole. <laughs> like, so, but I yeah, think but there's like. Are you ever going to get that perspective? Never. Right. But I think it's, there's that element <laughs> of like, he is doing that to get the perfect shot. Like, I think it's kind of a joke. Like part of it is, oh, he gave his life for the perfect shot. Yeah. But what he actually captured was a bunch of dust and his screams and. But I just don't. <laughs> that bit, that bit in particular, did not work Come for on. me. It was, Supposed to be laughing with Jordan Peele, man. <laughs> no, nah, I was, I was not laughing at him with him. I was just like, this is silly. <laughs> um, okay, well, fair enough. Um, let's see. There was something else about their plan that I was a little like, yeah. Never mind. Um, Anything else it's in that been, climax? It's been covered. <laughs> <laughs> was there anything else while we're still talking about it? Anything else in that sequence of the film that you wanted to draw attention to? Um, or anything uh, particularly cool? No, not in particular. Okay. Do we think that OJ survived? Yeah. There's, there's thoughts that he may have not survived. Don't we see him alive? Yeah, but it's he's like it's like in dust, so he's almost it's almost like a silhouette, and then the sign above him says Out like yonder. Over, yeah, out yonder. Stop. Huh? People actually are going with that. Come on. It's, it ties into the Western thing, like the hero emerging, you know. That's I love that moment, by the way. Like him on horseback framed yeah. by the you know he's they're in the fucking western town and he's on the horse like for me that's less about like oh he's he's actually dead that's stupid by the way i'm on the record saying that that take <laughs> is stupid for me that is a callback to their whole family business i mean the haywood studios thing like the horse you know for black man on a horse was the first image captured moving pictures you know that's a callback mm-hmm. the black man on a horse like that's what it was for me. And it looks awesome, um, too. I love the framing of it. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. There's already stupid theories about, oh, <laughs> listen, this is a Peel flick, not a Shyamalan flick, okay? We're not we're not doing this whole, oh, he was actually dead thing, all right? Get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me you subscribe to this theory. You just read it on Reddit uh, or something? Yes. I, okay. Well, online, not Reddit specifically. <laughs> but. Interesting. It was kicking around out there, so I just had to bring it up. <laughs> People just have to come up I with I do something. like the mix of like the sci-fi western, though. I thought that was pretty cool. I'm very excited to rewatch this movie. Yes, me too. I am very excited for a rewatch. Um, 
Yeah, love that sequence. We briefly talked about it when we were talking about the uh, the sound design. But I love the other standout sequence for me was the uh, um at Jupiter's what's it called? Jupiter's Calling. Whatever Steven Yoon's character, like his Western theme park where they have like the star lasso experience. Mm-hmm. That whole sequence was fucking amazing. Like everything from uh, him saying like your lives are going to be changed one hour from now but until then here's <laughs> Sally to do it you know like <laughs> I thought yeah. that was hilarious and then just the way that sequence plays out and when you find out um, the woman who his, his co-star who came to the event who like ha- had her face chewed off by the chimp like in the trailers, you're like, "What's going on? Like, what? Who yeah. is this lady? What's going on?" And then it turns out, oh, she got her face eaten off by a chip. Yeah. <laughs> like that reveal payoff was like, "Oh my god, you're a genius, Peel." Um, but I loved that sequence. That was for sure one of the standout sequences in the film for me. Was that whole like abduction eating thing was top notch. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Another sequence we could talk about is. Um the blood rain sequence. How do we feel? Oh yes. That was probably top three scenes. in Some awesome imagery. That was really cool. Um, Did you have a problem with it? Some people are saying that it doesn't make sense because that was like the first time it had happened. Right. Why wasn't there a pile of blood somewhere else? Yeah. But my thought is he, the thing the creature ate too much and was sick so he was like gore like gorged himself and had to purge had to release that's pretty good my Let's thought do it on this house <laughs> <laughs> my thought and this is counter to all the nitpicky shit i've said in this whole review but my thought is who fucking cares it's literally raining blood it is awesome. It looks sweet. It's my thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, might be contradictory. Uh, make me a hypocrite, but loved it. No issues with Bloodhouse. Yeah, that was sweet. I did like the <laughs> score a lot. Yes. Too. I think you touched on it a bit. I, it was pretty varied mm-hmm. and, yeah, pretty tense, but then also had, like, like action and, like, I don't, more like spectacle type score, like grand, you know, I don't know. It was, it was pretty varied and I would, I think I need to, yeah, I'd like to watch it again because, and focus more on the score. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Love the score. And, you know, at the end of the day, this is a Jordan Peele movie and he, he is a black filmmaker in all of his films. He has centered black stories and black actors and love those elements of the film as far as like, I mean, I think the title in a way is like, you know, they, they say nope in the movie, but it's a play on like what people would actually do in that situation where some fucked up shit is happening. Like that's a common trope specifically with black characters in movies where like the black character will see something and then they'll be like, Nope, I'm getting the fuck. Like it's a bit, you know, (laughs) but then they end up getting killed anyway. So this is like, playing into that trope but they're the heroes of the story so it's like taking it back there um there's that and then there's also um like the fact that they're like their their whole um history of the being the first you know do do we think that that is true 
that their father, their great 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 grandfather, was the guy on that horse? Or do we think that that is their version of exploitation? You know, like are they trying to mm-hmm. like cash in on their that's their version of trying to get a leg up? Like how do how do we right. feel about like that? Like a con almost? Because I don't know if it's ever truly made explicit. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good point. I would hope to believe that they that is their heritage, <laughs> right? That but I not, could totally. Yeah. I mean, there's. I guess there's not enough evidence to know one way or another. Maybe it's supposed to be ambiguous, though, or left to your interpretation. Right. I think it has to be intentional, in the sense that I think. Peel wants us to at least have the thought, right? Like you can't not have the thought just based on the themes that the movie is going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that like there, there's no like proof. Like we don't see like they, they they at no point do they actually have proof that that happened. So at a certain point, it doesn't matter. But I think it's intentional that with everything else going on, that you have to think, okay, well maybe this is their way of trying to get a leg up and get a, get their their piece of the pie in a sense. Um, I think that's 100% intentional, but not explicit. It, it's such a appeal thing to do. Yes, <laughs> very much. <laughs> um, all right, your turn, buddy. I'll let you direct the conversation. Where else do you want to go? Mm, I don't know if we need to go elsewhere. For me, I'm a couple weeks removed. You, what, just watched it? Just saw it? Uh, two days ago. Yeah. So if you want to steer the ship elsewhere, be my <laughs> guest captain. <laughs> um, well, everything that I had taken down as a note, I've already covered. Um, let's see. Well, I mean, I guess we can check in on the the egghead. Come on. Th- peel, this is the uh, nope. This is the nope encore review. <laughs> 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 We're just doing the 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 greatest hits. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, like it's still pretty fresh, so I'm still I'm still wrestling with it. <laughs> yeah, with me. So, there are some things where I'm still, you know, I took the pie out of the oven a while ago. It's nice and cool. <laughs> well, so I guess I will mention that I initially I thought there was a possibility that this would be like your favorite movie of all time. Like maybe not of all time, but oh, like God. I thought for <laughs> sure you were going to give this thing the Pacific Science Center bump because you saw oh, it there in get into that, I guess. So, I mean... You took Dunkirk, a mid-as-fuck movie, and made it one of your top oh ten films of all time. That's 100%. I took Dunkirk in the mouth. That's that's the sci-fi bump, okay? <laughs> so what was your viewing experience like? Uh, it was pretty incredible. There was about um, maybe 20 or 30 people in there max, so I had pick of the litter when I walked in. Only had about five minutes to spare, had to pay $16 for parking. So I was fully invested in this thing. (laughs) $41 (laughs) ticket plus parking. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, Do I regret it though? No. I will see any movie that's actually shot in IMAX. Um, I live for that shit. 
I'm sure it enhanced my experience a bit, but um, sounds like you liked it just as much as me. So I think I would have liked it just as much had I not seen it in real IMAX. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's really... Like, I don't think Peel does IMAX quite like Nolan. Nolan, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I mean, but Nolan is going for a more like action style filmmaking. So I don't know if it's really fair, but I do think some of the images did shine in real IMAX. Like yeah. the Gordy stuff was all real IMAX. I mean, there was a decent amount. Like all the cool scenes were in real IMAX. <laughs> so <laughs> I wish I had an opportunity to see it in IMAX, but And the sound in that theater is incredible. There's literally you're like surrounded by <laughs> speakers. Oh, you actually just reminded me. So um Haley and I originally were gonna see this movie like two weeks ago or something and we had tickets to see it in rpx which is Mm -hmm. you know it's not real imax but it's like regal's version of like that premium rpx is kind of weak from my experience i like rpx it's not the same as like true imax but i think the sound is really good the sound is kind of the dolby atmos well yeah dolby's it's comparable i think to dolby amc dolby's Mm -hmm. amc's version you don't think so Dolby's better no (laughs) dolby's bigger too their theaters are way bigger. The screen, the sound. RPX is just like a little bit better version of regular. Well, I think it depends on the <laughs> on the theater too. I mean, this RPX Maybe, yeah. theater is is pretty sweet yeah, where dude, I am. The theaters up by me are not great. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway, we were gonna we had tickets to see it in RPX, and then we get to the theater and. It's moved. Like they put us in a different theater. It's not IP- RPX. And whoa, it has. Whoa, they can't do that. They did do that. <laughs> and they just moved anyone who had pre purchased tickets. And they said it was like, oh, they had a an engagement that they had to honor. So they had to move Absolutely it to a different theater. Not. It's fucking Disney's fault, <laughs> I'm sure. It's, Disney has something to do with it. Um, but so they moved it. So we just said, fuck it. We're not going to see it. We'll come back. So they gave us like a voucher. Like, they didn't even offer to, like, do anything. There was, oh, yeah, your theater moved. And we were like, okay. Uh, yeah, here, you can have this voucher to see a different RPX movie. And we are like, okay, but we don't want to see it. You don't have Regal Unlimited, do you? I do, yeah. Oh, you do? So and it's like a voucher. A voucher? Right. So it's like, that. we're just going to end up giving those to her mom or something, you know? So it's, like, f- stupid. But anyway, yeah. so we just decided not to see the movie. And we would see it, you know, a different time. Um, it only played in RPX for like a week. So by the time we had another opportunity to see it, no longer playing RPX. So we saw a standard screening of Nope. Nothing nothing mm. special. But I was pissed. I was pissed. That's weak. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if uh, it's still playing at Pacific Science Center. But um, the last time I looked, it was only playing up to like the next four days after I saw it. And I saw it. At least like two weeks ago now. Dang. Yeah, I, I'm bummed I didn't get to see it in, you know, true IMAX or at least, you know, like a bigger format, big sound. Oh, my God. How could I forget? Somebody brought a fucking baby to my oh screening no. of no. <laughs> Dude, before the movie even started in the trailers, this kid was like, meh, meh. 
like making all this sound. I was like, I am going to lose it. Um, thankfully, very well behaved baby. Barely made a peep once the movie actually started. I don't know how that happened. Um, so thankfully, crisis averted because I was about to come back later that night with like Molotov cocktails and just fucking burn real to the ground. <laughs> but ended up not being an issue. But dude, I was fuming because they were in the same row as us. It was a couple and they brought their literally like two not couldn't have been a day over two like nonverbal goo goo gaga ass bitch <laughs> in that theater. <laughs> I, was, I was so pissed, but thankfully very well behaved baby and I ended up being fine. But like, why would you bring your baby to see? Nope. Ugh, I don't know. Some people, man. But anyway, I can't believe I almost forgot that tidbit. <laughs> Terrible. Yep. I haven't had one of those in a while, like outside of like a Pixar movie, like somebody bringing a a, a baby to an age inappropriate film. Not that a fucking baby's gonna watch the movie anyway. Like even when it's yeah, a that's Pixar true. Movie. Yeah, honestly, since COVID has been a thing, I haven't really had any too bad of experiences. Yeah, well, you don't live in Florida, bud, so <laughs> be thankful. Every time I go to the theaters, I go with Riff Raff. S- scared all the normies away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, that's probably about all I got. I can't think of anything else I had um, for Nope. Anything else you want to mention right. before we move on? No, I think I'm good. Cool. All right. Let's do stars. What are you going to give Nope out of five stars? I am going to give it a 4.5. I am also going to give it a 4.5. Got to leave that half, uh, that half star for the bump. That's what happened with yep. Get Out. Get Out was yep. 4.5, my first watch, and uh, <laughs> went up to a 5. Because I think I did. Pretty sure I bumped it now, up to a 5. Now, where does this rank in the Peel films? I would say probably second. Yeah. I have not seen Us a second time, though, so I'm going to need to do that. I'm gonna need to see Nope and Us another time before I. Can but you were a pretty in. big fan of Us, right? I gave it four and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I, some I've, people dislike that movie. I know some people just, adore it though. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's his most polarizing. Which is interesting. Although I've given every sing- on a first watch, I've given every single Jordan Peele movie a four and a half. So it's a pretty high bar. Mm-hmm. Not a lot. Not a lot. Yeah, of I can't remember if I that. gave Get Out a five on first go. If not, it was at least a four point five. I think we were both four point five. And you know, Tom, being who he is, he was he was on board from the get go. He, he loved Get Out. <laughs> Check the tape. Yeah, which we can do that. Oh, both times five stars. Nice. You did. Yep. Damn. You were ahead of the curve. Uh, but I did give us a five on rewatch 4.5 first watch but i still think i would put nope above us at this point even though right now it's a 4.5 yeah this is why star ratings are problematic (laughs) (laughs) i won't say stupid but i'll say problematic yes i mean interstellar for me is a four and a half star movie yet it is far and away christopher nolan's best film it's in my top 100 that's just how she goes sometimes. Probably better than a lot of your fives. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. 
Yeah. The Fits. I'll say some, not a lot. The Fits. I haven't <laughs> thought about that movie since I saw it. <laughs> yeah, but when you're in that cram mode, you start seeing things a little. Do most of most of those cram movies, like 1985, oh, God, dude. dude, love that movie. <laughs> haven't thought about it since. <laughs> Oh man. I know what you mean. That's a specific genre of movie is five star cram picks <laughs> that you love and you gotta but make never watch again. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the letterbox list that's gonna go viral for sure. <laughs> um Okay. Well, that's gonna do it for Nope. Let's go ahead and transition into what else we've been watching. Uh may I suggest, because I saw you log it, that we briefly talk about Marcel the Shell oh, with shoes of on. Course. <laughs> Cause boy did I oh, love God. Marcel I, the Shell with shoes on. <laughs> if I could have put money on you giving this movie <laughs> five stars, I would be a rich man. <laughs> it's it's a very much a Matt movie. Top to bottom. <laughs> I could have retired. <laughs> now, let me guess. I'm You did give it four stars, not to like blow your, your mm-hmm. load for you, but I'm going to guess you liked it a lot, but maybe found it a little sweet, maybe a little too uh, cutesy. A little cutesy, and you know, cold, dead old me, I uh, the emotional stuff didn't really get me. I, it's not that I really have anything negative to say about it. It's just there was things that were maybe holding it back for me. And maybe it was myself, but... Your emotional <laughs> your emotional ceiling served as a ceiling for your rating of this movie. Yes. <laughs> it's rarer that a movie can crack your emotional ceiling. So unless it's like doing other stuff that aren't emotional to like bump it up that final star to a five yeah like good time for example you know unless it's doing something beyond the pulling on your heartstrings because i think you've only got the one heartstring it's hard to pull it's hard to pull yeah (laughs) (laughs) something's getting pulled for it to be five stars in this case marcel was not pulling on your heart wasn't pulling on your dick no so i mean (laughs) borderline at times but (laughs) I think for yeah, mainly for me, it, it ran out of steam towards the end, and like the f- I thought the first twenty minutes or so were hilarious, and then I didn't really laugh much more after that. And I do think it was kind of like top heavy with its jokes, and maybe partly it just you know ran its course and just got a little repetitive. I don't know, just it, it didn't it. It felt like it barely earned its runtime or like feature length. Sure. I mean, to be fair, it's an adaptation of a of a YouTube video. So yeah. I mean Yeah. That's 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 a fair criticism. And to your point, I would agree that the comedy is definitely front loaded. Um but I think that's intentional. I mean, I do think the movie is more concerned yeah. in the second half with, you know, Marcel's emotional journey and his relationship with his grandma and you know all the stuff that comes along with being famous on the internet and all the people coming to the house and all that shit like but I could see if you were there for the comedy which it sounds like that's maybe not that's not fair to say it not that you were there for the comedy but the comedy was working for you it's definitely noticeably um not absent but 
there are f- fewer jokes, fewer bits in the second half of the film for sure. Yeah, and I liked one emotional through line, but like the second one, I didn't really feel like it really earned it. Or like I could have used a little more of that at the beginning to set something up so it would pay off a little more at the end, if you know what I'm talking about without spoiling. I do not. So don't be too specific, but are you, are you talking about the grandma emotional arc or no. the family like the that family part. okay yeah i just when when that happened at the end i just i didn't really care <laughs> well so yeah that's fair i found it very sweet it was heartwarming i wasn't necessarily like moved by it but what did move me was oh, okay so i don't I'm going to say the thing that made me cry the most in this movie. Yeah, can we get a cry counter? <laughs> a cry count? There were several. <laughs> there were oh several. This was, it was just such a life affirming movie for me. Like this was the movie I needed right now in this very stressful time. The world is in a very precarious place right now. Everything <laughs> sucks. Go. So I needed this movie. I needed this movie. So I loved it. But the part that made me cry the most, and you're probably going to laugh at me, but... That's fine. I'm used to it. The, the chess piece. <laughs> the queen chess piece. Oh, that was one of my favorite moments. Oh, okay. I <laughs> I started... I wasn't bawling, but I was like... I got choked up, and I was like f- fighting back. It was the kind of the crying you do where you're like about to start bawling, but you have to, you're like getting choked up, basically, where you're like kind of sobbing like there's a physical part of it too you know when i saw the chess piece and obviously in the context that it's a sad moment i don't want to be specific but i saw that chess piece and i was like that is so perfect and i was just like oh my god it hit me like a ton of bricks yeah that was one like yeah as far as like you know being clever yes um and very clever seeing things in in marcel's marcel yeah marcel's world um I, that was probably the standout. I, I did love the uh, tennis ball tech too. Pretty awesome. Love the tennis balls. <laughs> that was huge. Um, did you like uh, Marcel's singing that moment towards the end of the film and what that moment represented? Oh. Um, yeah, it was pretty cute. Pretty cute. I was dry. I was crying hard, dude. <laughs> I was crying hard. Um, yeah, I mean, you know me. It's just the, this kind of shit. It's it's it is sentimental, sure, but oh, like yeah. it it didn't like I've seen some people feel like the movie is manipulative. Like people had the reaction where it felt like the movie was actively trying to make them cry or you know be emotionally manipulative, and I just could not disagree more. Like I found it to be so sincere with its intention. I never felt like I was being played, you know, I did not have that reaction. I know some people did and they felt like it was like hacky or something, but I don't think there was a false note in the whole movie. Like I sure you can call it overly sweet or whatever. Like it just doesn't work to your taste. Sure. But at no point did I feel like I was, the movie was trying to manipulate me. It was just trying to be its authentic self. And I love it for that. Yeah, I think that's fair. I just am always at an arm's length with movies and um, their emotional through line for whatever reason. Takes a certain movie 
to really get me. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, usually, I mean, documentaries usually work for me because that's real life shit. But right. I don't know. I just can't surrender to a movie like some people can. <laughs> and that's, that's right. a fault of mine, I guess. But <laughs> well, it's just like different. What you like? Different tastes. <laughs> I like crying like a little bitch when I watch movies. And I did. I did. Okay. I like things being pulled. <laughs> I like yank things being yanked, <laughs> jerked. That's my lane. Um,. Okay, we don't have to spend more time on it, but I, I saw that you logged it, and I was like, we have to talk about this. <laughs> this is a, a slam dunk for best of the year? Oh, or man. one it's, of the... It's, I mean... I mean we know what's number one. <laughs> and it's funny that they're both similarly, like, sentimental in a lot of ways, you know? Um, hey, but, people are creaming for this one as well on Letterboxd. Yes. Currently a 4.3 rating average and number 59 in the top 250. Kind of crazy. A24 is having a major year, according to Letterboxd.com. Yes. It's been a big year for the old A24. Chart-topping film. <laughs> we might have to, just because it's timely, the next draft we do might have to be uh, might have to be A24 draft. I would love to do that. I'll take these two. No, I don't think anyone's going to fight me on, on these two. But they're, um, they're if we can only be. have 10... <laughs> And we might we might have to get Kyle on there so he can introduce some blam bullshit, you know? Oh man. Fucking what a well, joke. You know. <laughs> what a joke. Oh, you you, know you came around on Lamb actually, for. didn't you? Oh yeah, I love Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> I love Lamb. <laughs> what movie Kyle will die for? No, what movie I will die for. Oh, good time. Yeah. Yeah. Just getting it on the list is <laughs> is a win for me. That would be a fun one because I think and everyone who's associated with the show has different uh, a different favorite A twenty four film, mm-hmm. a different horse in the race. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, what else have you been watching? What did you want to talk about? Let's see. I rewatched one of your favorite movies, The Lodge. <laughs> really, I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. Why? Uh, why? Uh, Not that I'm complaining. I I did like elements of it. I still do. Just wanted to see if I could get past the issues I had with it. And And I take it by your tone. (laughs) (laughs) That was not the case. (laughs) Still have the same exact issues with it. But I do love the way it looks and like the atmosphere it creates. That part of the movie is like a five out of five. The story and where it ultimately goes is like in the trash. <laughs> oh man. I like the idea, but I just feel like it falls apart, unfortunately. Or just doesn't work. <laughs> I might need don't to need to get into it one. again. <laughs> yeah. Dang. But I I even laughed out loud, like Tom and I were looking at each other and giggling in the theater the first time we saw it. <laughs> And even a second time, there was a moment where I started laughing because I was just like, this is so dumb. <laughs> Are you talking about the like Jesus in the house? No, nope, it was or? actually a different moment. It was more like a an audible shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? What moment are you talking about? Uh, well, it's it's kind of a fucked up moment. So I feel like an asshole for saying this, but... 
it's when she like burns herself by like kneeling on the um the mantle where the fire is it's just so far-fetched at that point or she like burns her feet you know when uh riley keogh's character do you remember that part i don't remember that part no oh. I, I sounds like I didn't find it funny, so that's probably why it didn't stick no. out to me. And, well, of course you <laughs> didn't find it funny. You loved this movie. <laughs> but I was just like, I don't know, the movie's so ridiculous by that point, I just started laughing a little bit. Okay, interesting. I really want to rewatch it. Maybe I'll try to, maybe October will be the time. I usually don't have a, like logical issues or logistical issues with movies, but like when movies have this like big of one it i gotta gotta tear it apart a little bit i don't know man the alicia silverstone uh suicide dude come on <laughs> crazy <laughs> it's crazy or uh the found footage uh like the cult part drank the kool-aid shit better. good stuff uh movie rules the man. suicide was just just shock value. That's all I was going for. Shock factor. It's pretty good. Pretty shocking, if I do say so myself, though. Yeah, <laughs> you could feel shocking. it coming. You could feel it coming from a mile away. <laughs> um, <laughs> anything else on the launch? No. Let me use that to seg- segue. So, since we're so- talking about shock factor, have you heard of a movie on Netflix called Incantation? No. Was not on my radar at all. Until I saw a TikTok. I saw a TikTok and the guy was like, y'all, you are not going to believe this. I watch every horror movie that comes out and I am telling you, this is the freakiest, craziest shit you will ever see in your life. Go to Netflix. It's called Incantation. (laughs) This movie is fucked up. Like this whole thing. And I was like, I mean. Okay, it doesn't take much to convince me to watch a horror movie. So, like, I was sold. Um, it's not a bad movie. So, it's a Taiwanese horror flick. It's like a kind of possession, kind of cult ghost type movie. Um, it's not very good, though. It's it's entertaining, but pretty dumb. And what it's doing is shock factor stuff it's not actually horrifying it's pretty standard now there are some crazy images for sure so if i think that guy's full of shit when he says he watches every horror movie like maybe he <laughs> watches rewatches the conjuring over and over again or something but like this guy is clearly not watching when i'm watching because it's not that horrifying <laughs> like there's some pretty there's some freaky stuff in it but you know it's nothing to write home about. It's pretty long. It's almost two hours. Um, Oof. It looks good, um, but it's trying to do like a found footage type thing, but it's one of the worst one of those I've seen in a while as far as like the camera. There's like several cameras recording un- inexplicably in many situations from weird angles, and I was just like, I found myself probably dozens of times throughout the movie being like, uh, why is there a camera here? Who put this camera here? Like, what the fuck is happening? Lots of, like, uh, it doesn't take it very seriously, I guess, the found footage thing, you know? So, worth a watch? Probably not for you. I don't know if I would recommend that you you watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
I think you can safely pass it, but yeah. I mean, it, it's got some defenders out there. Like the average on Letterbox is three point one, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty standard for like a decent horror flick. And I honestly got my hopes a little up because at the time I watched it, only two people I follow had watched it, and one of them had given it a five. So I was like, okay, maybe TikTok, wow. maybe TikTok guy's not full of shit. He's full of shit. Damn. So anyway, sold you. Pretty cool though. Wait, what am I saying? <laughs> Not pretty cool. It, it was fine. <laughs> well, I'm glad you watched it on your own and didn't assign it on the digest. Somebody had to do it. Hey, don't <laughs> rule it out. I could still make you guys watch it if I feel like. It. <laughs> uh, your turn. Uh, I watched The Gray Man. Oh, the Netflix bullshit the Netflix we were talking joint. about. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And. It was okay. It it's right there, you know, just sitting there for you to watch. That's it's con- it's content. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> not the worst action movie, not the best. I don't really care to say much about it. How's my boy? He's solid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of an interesting role for him. I mean, we haven't really seen him as like a big time action movie guy. You know, he's believable. Yeah, he plays, Is he believable? He in plays the role? it cool though. Oh, I mean, how he's, can he not? He, he's doing the, <laughs> the, the Gosling thing. That's his That's his whole thing. <laughs> when he's not being a fucking weirdo, he's being a cool guy. Or a funny guy. Well, I mean, he's still even kind of a cool guy. Well, I guess the nice guys, True. he's not trying to be a cool guy, really. But No, he's I take cool that back. He's kind of a cool guy. Love. Oh, he's definitely a cool guy in Crazy Stupid <laughs> I need to revisit that movie. I remember loving it, but I feel like it's, I don't know, woke Matt probably would yeah. find it a little problematic. I can 2012 Matt fucking loved that movie. 2022 Matt. I mean, <laughs> for, for what it was, it was pretty funny. I remember it being quite funny. And yeah. I remember there was an extra layer for me liking it because it's the same guys screenwriters who did i love you philip morris which i think is a pretty underrated movie so i was like Mm -hmm. a fan of that movie and then crazy stupid love came out i was like oh it's these guys oh this movie's actually pretty funny i I mean look at the cast though steve carell ryan gosling julianne moore pretty emma stone you left her out yep there's uh marissa tomei she's in it too stacked stacked cast holy Mm -hmm. fuck i had forgotten yeah, that movie's huge. I own it. I should fucking watch it. Yeah, so do I. Anyway, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, Gray Man. Oh, you said you don't really care to <laughs> say much about it. No, it was, I'll just say it was a little too flashy at times with its action and set pieces. It's just, a lot of drone shots, unnecessary drone shots. Michael Bay 2.0. <laughs> it was pretty bad in that regard. Just standard. I mean, it didn't like didn't stand out sure one of those movies that you don't necessarily regret watching but also have no would i have planned on going to the theater to see it probably not but chelsea wanted to watch it it's new it has ryan gosling it's right there on Mm -hmm. netflix Mm -hmm. why not i'll probably still check it out why not (laughs) cool um let's see oh uh i watched not okay you heard about this? You familiar with this? What is that? So not okay. It's a Hulu original, and it stars uh, Zoe Deutsch. 
Um, oh yes, I have heard about that. I actually thought it was it was pretty good. Um, so it's like a black comedy. So the gist of it is Zoe Deutsch plays this woman who works at like a like a gossip rag kind of thing. They're one of those like social media companies like a like a BuzzFeed or a Reductress or you know just like kind of millennial like you know online very online kind of web presence she works as like a photo editor or something for them anyway she's very unlikable very privileged nobody likes her and she's like wants she's like desperate for like followers and fame and stuff so I won't be too specific, but the plot of the movie is that she fakes a trip to Paris. Um, and then a terrorist attack happens in Paris. So rather than like say, oh, I'm sorry. Basically, she commits to the lie and gets caught up in this whole whirlwind around the terrorist attack. Because she like claims that she was like near where the bombs went off and all this stuff. So it's like... Very much a satire of... Uh, right, like creating a facade. Yeah, and just like people who are desperate for fame and like the lengths that you're willing to go to to be famous and like the lies that you're willing to tell people and the real people who get hurt along the way. Like, it's it's pretty funny. It's not completely successful, so there is some stuff that feels very forced. Um, but overall, performances are really good. Um, it doesn't back away from making the protagonist unlikable. Um, you know, without being too specific, it's not like she's the hero by the end of it or something. You know, it's like it's committed to her, to satirizing a specific type of person. And Zoe Deutsch is amazing in it. Like, I like her. I liked her a lot already, but she's awesome in it. I think you should watch this. So are you saying, are you saying it's kind of like Red Rocket? But a million times better than Red Rocket. <laughs> Way better than Red Rocket. And they're they're going for different things. I mean, <laughs> I get why you would bring that up based on how I described it. And that's fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some similarities there. But um, I think this is much more effective at kind of getting to the core of, of those people. And it, it's a more biting satire. I'm sure most people probably yeah. disagree with me. But, well, maybe not most people. I know some people fucking love Red Rocket. So... Um, you should check it out. I know Chelsea likes Zoe Deutsch. I'm, I'm, I bet she would she like this movie. She watched it without me. Oh, she did watch it. Mm-hmm. Did she like it? Do you know? Uh, it sounded like she liked it, but it's, I don't know. She, she didn't, she wasn't like glowing about it. Mm. So it, it sounded like it was maybe a little disappointing for her, but she still liked mm. it. Mm. You're going to have to weigh in. You're going to have to weigh in. Uh, yeah. sounds like it. Well, if I don't watch it soon, I'll probably watch save it, it for, for Cram Jam, Jam if you have to. Yeah. yeah. But it's pretty good. Pretty good. I enjoy it. So I gave it four stars. This year so reference. far. I mean, I haven't been trying too hard, but 2022 like releases. I mean, yeah, two you, absolutely incredible yeah. bangers. <laughs> but outside of that, I mean, <laughs> I mean, forget about Northman and No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, to be fair, Northman and Nope are both in the top ten right now. Yeah, well, yeah. So is men. <laughs> Hanging on. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that thing sticks around. <laughs> Hanging on for dear life. What'd you give that a four? Yeah. Yeah. 
Don't worry, I'll, I'll force feed it. I left that. Oh I, I left that star in there for. Oh for yeah, a you'll do a, a force feed rewatch. That's for the get rewatch it, for sure. Get it up there. Yeah, 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 big time. Might do that with Crimes of the Future too. We'll see. Mm, yes, I still need to see that. <laughs> um. All right. Well, she got. Uh, the last thing I have is Pinocchio. Like the OG. OG. Oh. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen it. Hmm had an itch for whatever reason and oh i know why it's because i'm going to italy in a couple weeks <laughs> i'm surprised you haven't been binging uh the trip movies <laughs> isn't one of them literally the trip to italy oh yeah i think you're right i think that's the second one maybe it's the third one i, I should know. i'm gonna start you got time some F- you fellini got flicks fellini <laughs> 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 now nah, you gotta watch uh uh uh, Rome Open City. That's a banger. <laughs> you ever seen that? that? <laughs> no. That's a Rossellini flick. Oh. It was made yeah. during the Nazi occupation of Rome in 1944. Huge. It's very huge, dude. <laughs> to be fair, I gave it a 3.5 because it's like boring as fuck. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It's pretty boring, but <laughs> it's a must. It's a must watch for true cinephiles. You got to see Rome Open City. All right, I'll add it to the watch list. <laughs> anyway, what are we talking about? You're going to Italy, so uh, you watched... Uh... Pinocchio. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what'd you think? Uh, I liked it for what it was. I liked it quite a bit. Um, my favorite character by far is uh, Figaro, the cat. Do you recall? Nope, I haven't seen Pinocchio since I was like fucking six, probably. Okay, well... You gotta watch it for Figaro alone. <laughs> I do love cats. Oh, man. I believe one you. of the best on-screen cats, animated or not. Oh, we didn't even talk about the dog in Prey, dude. How did we not talk about the dog? Dog should have been killed. Dog of the year. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fuck you. I can't believe you said that. I'm gonna cut that out of the show. <laughs> Shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> so Figaro rules. Yes, he does. Uh, the animation's great, you know, for what it was in the 40s. I, the main reason why I brought it up, I mean, who cares to really talk about Pinocchio? Come on, it's like 80 <laughs> years old. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, the, I don't some of the, some of the stuff in the movie is a, seems a little problematic <laughs> these days. I didn't do the deep dive online, but um, just the, the fact that, um, Geppetto is like dreaming of having a little boy. <laughs> Felt a little weird. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> He's just dreaming of this little boy that he wants. And then the whole thing about Pleasure Island. I don't know if you recall Pleasure Island. What? No. Oh yeah. It's it's where they send a bunch of little boys. <laughs> what? To do what? Why is it called Pleasure Island? It's I mean, it's for, like, basically, like, disobedient kids. Like, disobedient boys, mostly. All the problem children get shipped to Pleasure Island, and it's not really, like, a pleasurable experience. And Well, and, and or they just go and, like, they're just, like, to be bad, basically. But I don't know. The whole thought of, like, smuggling kids and putting them on this island. A bunch of Notably, young boys on an boys. island <laughs> called Pleasure yeah. Island. Yeah. By a bunch of con men, it seemed kind of oh weird. Oh, God, dude. 
So I'm even more interested to see what uh, Guillermo del Toro does with because isn't he making a pin? Isn't his next movie a Pinocchio so, yeah. movie? Oh yeah, you could make a super. Dark oh my Pinocchio. god, it's gotta be right. Although, is it Disney? Is is Pinocchio is not a Disney? That's gotta be yeah. like. They didn't make that up though, right? Isn't it a fairy tale? Oh, Pleasure Island. No, Pinocchio. Oh, uh, did they make it up? I feel like it's. Like that's one of those like old yeah, actually, fairy I, I tale. I think you're right. It's adapted yeah. by yeah. I think you're right. So yes. I hope it's not Disney. I feel Based like. on the 1883 Italian children's novel. Okay. Adventures of okay. Pinocchio. Okay. Hopefully Disney. Hopefully Disney's not involved in any way because Guillermo del Toro with little boys on Pleasure Island sounds like it's going to be huge. There is an amazing part in this movie though. It's just one line. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it though. Uh, <laughs> Pinocchio is being a, a bad little boy, <laughs> and he t- he turns to one of the kids and he's like, "Being bad's a lot of fun, ain't it?" <laughs> As he's like chopping this fucking piano down with an axe, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> that sounds like a killer line. <laughs> uh. I could just relate to it. <laughs> Nice. I am curious I to see a lot of those, a lot of those old Disney movies I haven't seen in a long time, like Snow White, Pinocchio, Dumbo. I'm sure there's problematic stuff in a lot of them. But oh yeah, I'm sure. I don't know. That stuff just stood out as a little weird to me. <laughs> nice. Um, okay. Um, I a couple things. Last one TV thing, one movie thing. Um, I watched uh, Slumber Party Massacre two. The other night, had to catch the sequel. <laughs> I had to. Um, well, I for those who aren't familiar, I loved the Slumber Party Massacre. I watched it. Hey, I did too. Year or two ago. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I love Slumber Party Massacre. Some people think two is better, so I was like, okay, well, oh. I've got to get around to it at some point. Um, here's the thing. It's still good. I still very much enjoyed it, but it is way sillier. Settle down. <laughs> it's way sillier. I think that's part of the reason why people like it. But Slumber Party Massacre 2, the killer, he's still a driller killer, but he's like a rocker dude with like a leather jacket, and the drill is attached to his guitar. And there's like full-on musical numbers in the movie. It's 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 a weird fucking movie. Granted, it's only seventy five minutes long, and probably ten minutes of that is these weird fucking musical numbers. Um, so it's still a lot of fun, but the first movie, like, perfectly rides the line between like goofy and gory. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's perfect in that regard. This movie is a little too silly for my personal taste. Still, very much enjoyed it. Um, but it's very goofy. It, it doesn't work for me in the same way that the first one did. So it's a must watch for Slumber Party Massacre fans out there, yourself included, Travis. I think you got to check it out. Mm-hmm. It's on Shudder. Um, save it for October. But um, it's it's very silly. It didn't work for me the same way the first one did. I remember the first one looking pretty decent. I mean, low budget, but still look decent. Better than you would expect, yeah. This one, just based on the background image on... Letterbox, I'm thinking it has a dip in quality. Um, it doesn't look bad, but it's probably about what you would expect. 
Like not as not as well directed. I'm guessing. Correct. Guess. Not as well directed. Um it's pretty funny. Like some of the writing is pretty clever. It's it's written and directed by a uh, a woman, different woman than the first film, but a woman, which you know, in the 80s there weren't a lot of women working in the genre. Um obviously there's some, but uh, her name's Deborah Brock. She wrote and directed it. Definitely a step mm-hmm. down in quality as far as direction, but it's not bad. Like it's not one of those movies where you're like, "Wow, this looks like a piece of shit." Like, um, what's that one we watched for the digest? The Christmas one? Oh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. That movie looks like shit. Some really good kills in it, but my Shout Factory Blu-ray looked pretty good. But yeah. Oh, shout fat. Oh, I forgot you bought the fucking <laughs> Paris. And I watched it on uh, probably shutter. I think is where we watched it. I don't know. Didn't look great. However, yeah. we watched it, but no. So Deborah <laughs> cook is no Amy Holden Jones. Is no, what you're saying. no, no, no. But you know, it's, it's pretty funny. It's enjoyable. It's just a little too goofy for my taste. Question. Are you watching the third one or the remake? Um, why not? If they're on shutter. You, hell yeah. You got to I love the tagline on Letterboxd for the remake. It says, you know the drill. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's pretty clever. Is that So what's the pretty average good. rating on that? I didn't even know they made a new 3. one. 3.0. Came out 2021, apparently. What? When did this happen? Or maybe it hasn't been released and it was just shot. And, well, uh, 7.2 thousand people have seen it. So it came out at some point huge festival run <laughs> interesting dude okay i'm for sure <laughs> watching that three has a 2.4 so Ugh. but that yeah. won't stop me that's never stopped me cool. <laughs> um the last thing i'll talk about um the rehearsal have you watched any of that oh, yet or do you plan I've... on it so i have not watched it i don't plan on watching anytime soon i think if anything i would start nathan for you because I have never seen that either. Yeah, there's like five seasons of that, though. Who cares? <laughs> Going for a very different <laughs> thing. Um, I think you should definitely watch it. I mean, you can maybe wait until the full okay. season's done. But it goes some places. I've never... Like, I, I know, I'm familiar with his work. I know he's a weird guy. So, I know nothing about it. Do I want to know anything about it? I know I'm going to keep it very vague, especially okay. with specifics, because part of the like genius of the project is like how committed to the bit he is. Hmm. But I'll so it's not a spoiler, but I'll talk about the setup for the first episode. So the the premise of the show is that Nathan finds people who have a pretty mundane thing going on in their life that is bothering them that they haven't found the courage or, you know, whatever to take care of. And he helps them rehearse it. So for example, in the first episode, the subject is this guy who is super into bar trivia and 12 years ago, he started playing trivia with this group of friends and he still plays with them to this day. But at one point he made a lie about the fact that he has a master's degree when he only has a bachelor's degree. And that lie has been eating away at him for 12 years. 
So where Nathan Fielder comes in is this guy wants to tell his friend that, you know, he's been carrying on this lie this whole time. So they literally recreate oh a bar <laughs> down to the type of spices that are in their shakers at the tables for the food. And he hires actors to be patrons and hires an actor to play the guy's friend so that he can rehearse that conversation and that scenario in every way possible. <laughs> and then it, cl- it culminates with him actually going to the real bar and you get to see like how the real version of it plays out. So what's so fascinating about it is it's playing into like the insecurities of people and planning for things and worrying about possible outcomes. And, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's fascinating, but it just gets, it just springboards from there. And Nathan is, there's like so many layers of inception where he just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper. And you're just like, what? It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life. Like it's not nearly as funny as Nathan for you. Did you say every episode is like a different subject? Um, yes and no, I'm not going to be more specific than that. Okay. But you got to watch it. You got, you you got to watch it. Chelsea would be interested. Um, yes. Is it like a for everyone type show? Well, no. <laughs> Nathan Fielder is not a for everyone person in general. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know if she's ever seen Nathan for you. I don't think she has an opinion on him. Okay. But it's it's different. But he's if a, she he, does, I doubt it's negative. <laughs> he's a weird guy. He rubs some people the wrong way, but... um at least watch the first episode. It's either going to hook her, hook her or she's going to be like, this is weird. I don't want to watch this, you know, but yeah. you have to commit to it. Cause like, I love the first episode, but I was like, okay, this is interesting, but you know, I'm curious to see where this goes. And then it goes like, how long are the episodes? Uh, 30 to 40 minutes. Not bad. Perfect. Yeah. So, Okay, anyway. I will uh, try and start that this week. Yeah, stay tuned. We'll check her out. There's been uh, four episodes so far. The fifth one airs Friday. And how many total do you know? I do not know. Probably 10 or 8, mm. something like that. You know, Probably nothing too crazy. Well, I'll probably have to finish it when I get back from Italy, if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's... Unless it's a six-episode thing, which I doubt based on where it's at now. But yeah. Anyway, that's that's all I uh, was going to bring up. Anything else you want to mention before we get the fuck out of here? Mm, I think I'm good. We've we've talked a lot about movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um stay tuned to the feed. I don't know exactly when we'll be back or what we'll be covering. Um just because it's kind of dependent on how quickly things all get if, settled. Uh, you and Paris get a wild hair to do one while I'm in Italy, be my guest. Do whatever you want. Uh, Just don't do my digest episode. <laughs> I know you won't. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, we'll wait for you, bud. You got nothing to worry about. Um, I don't anticipate having time to... I'm going to have my computer stuff packed away anyway, you know, so... You're not racing to watch two, two and a half hour Korean films? <laughs> Not particularly, you know. <laughs> Not right the second, anyway. That are super fucked up. <laughs> I am excited to watch them, though. Especially, I saw The Devil, because I haven't, you know, I've never seen it. Yeah. And The Wailing Rules. I mean, come on. Wailing it's Rules. T- time for rewatch, right? Oh, yeah. 
And it is. It's literally time for a rewatch uh, within the next couple <laughs> weeks here. So anyway, there's, you know, there's stuff coming out. We're getting into the part of the year where, uh, I mean, I don't know exactly what's on the calendar, but typically September is when, uh, you know, the Oscar bait starts coming out. The, the auteurs start oh, yeah. dropping their projects. So we'll the see. cram is on the horizon. <laughs> it's I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to be back in weather that makes me want to stay inside and enjoy the movies. Just oh, enjoy yeah. life. You know, I'm going to be in a place that I actually like living. You know, right in so. time for fall. <laughs> it's going to be huge. I can't wait. Can't wait. I mean, to be fair, pumpkin we're beers. <laughs> Dude, pumpkin beer uh, night owl has landed in Florida. I could get it right now if oh, I want. Yeah. <laughs> I'm debating if I want to wait until we get to Washington, so it's like even yeah. more of a treat, you know? Right. I'm, I won't. I'm gonna drink it as soon as I can. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, stay tuned to the feed. You probably won't hear from us for eh, probably a month or so, but we'll get back on track once things settle down. We'll get back into our oh, groove yeah. and we got some fun stuff planned. So it's going to be huge. Make sure you uh, subscribe to the feed. If you're not already, if you're just now finding us, welcome. Hope you liked it. we got some good shit in the archives. Check it. Send an email. Send a files digest at gmail.com. You know, the drill that's going to do it. Anything else before we leave? I think I'm good. Yeah, dude. All right. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for more.